You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Daily. It is Purple Daily on Score North, 1500scorenorth.com. I'm Rami Makhlouf, sitting across from Judd Zolgad. You can uh, listen to us at scorenorth.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at scorenorth, S-K-O-R, North. And uh, it's Vi- or, excuse me, yeah, Vikings and NFL Talk every weekday at noon right here on Score North. And Judd, it's always fun to talk a little football with you, my friend. Oh yeah, big weekend. Too. I was, We're I was coming up say, a big weekend, say, aren't we? especially after this jam-packed, just just exciting weekend of football between the Pro Bowl and the Senior Bowl. I mean, football fans had their fill of appetizers to get them ready for the Super Bowl. I didn't couldn't they? get no. enough. I just simply <laughs> couldn't get enough. I mean, that Pro Bowl of all the All Star games, what a marvelous display of people's talents. And and the best part is now. You know, you wouldn't want the guys who are going to play in the Super Bowl to actually play in that game. So thank God we got rid of them. Yeah. You we don't, don't need you don't those want the best of the yeah. best. Todd Gurley, get out of here, Todd. Tom Brady, I mean, he wouldn't. He'd Nobody pull wants out to see anyway. Tom Brady. Have you seen the ratings when yeah. Tom Brady plays? No. Nobody, nobody's trying to see Tom Brady. That Orlando based game, man, that is some of the best football that you could possibly Did you get. guys see? The, it was the other day on SportsCenter I was watching. They were talking about because Tom Brady's been named, I think, to 14 Pro Bowls. Yeah. And he's actually only played in one. <laughs> oh, I'm not surprised. That doesn't surprise me. Literally, at all. only played in one now. So many of them have been because he's gone to the Super Bowl. But even in the other years, well, yeah, but Brady they, just doesn't play. They only that changed, only started like four years ago, right? Say, four five, five or years six ago. years ago, maybe. Yeah, they but changed that. That is yeah. that is of all All Star games aside from baseball. To me, are, are a waste of time. They're corporate shill events. That's it. But the one that, and I know it get. I know people watch it. God help them. But the one that I would always have canceled is this one. Yeah. The Pro Bowl's a complete... Because you actually might get hurt. Right. Like, God And forbid. especially in a monsoon, like, yeah. apparently it was happening yesterday. And I say apparently because... And I know I'm a sports talk radio host. This might annoy some of the people out there. You might think I'm not doing my job properly. If that's the case, 651-646-8255. Or oh, don't open the door. I know what you're about to say. If they don't like you're it... You're opening the floodgates. No, no, no. If you, if you are about to be offended what Rami's about to tell you by what, what uh-huh. he's about to tell you, bleep off. You can tweet us at Scoredorth or... I'm at Rami is tweeting if you'd prefer to get at me no, directly. Get but lost. <laughs> seriously. I know what you're about to say. I was moving in this weekend. I was moving into my new apartment in Minneapolis after I was removed from the Terra watch list. And um I'm not, not I, so sure that was, was a good idea. I was empty. <laughs> you still scare me. I mean, that's a personal thing. As, <laughs> as a guy named Judd Zolgad, you so, still scare me. So all afternoon long, I'm emptying the truck, and then finally the, the truck was empty, and, and I'm taking it back to the U-Haul Center, yeah. and uh, I don't know if that's a plug or not, but I'm taking it back to the U-Haul Center. Ronnie here for U-Haul. And I'm listening to, to Score North on, on 1500, and it was one of my favorite radio hosts of all time. I grew up listening to him in Chicago, Jonathan Hood. 
who now has a national show on ESPN on the weekends. Love Jonathan Hood. Along with uh, Dickerson. It's Dickerson and Hood. And they started talking about the Pro Bowl. And I was ser- I was seriously like, oh, yeah, that was today. That's right. Because yeah. <laughs> I usually have little interest in the Pro Bowl. But with the fact that I'm moving my whole life from Milwaukee to Wisconsin, it wasn't or from Milwaukee to Minnesota. It wasn't on my radar at all. All until I, think, I heard him talking about it. I think actually trying to have a discussion about the, the game. Now, not about the concept, because the concept to me is a waste of time and can be discussed, but actually talking about, well, the Pro Bowl was played today, and uh, what'd you think of so-and-so? Or the, is sports talk at its worst? Like actual attempt to break down Pro Bowl football. See, they were just... Is sports talk at its worst. They were doing a lot of what we're doing here today, which is mocking the Pro and Bowl. And that's okay. Then that's fine. <laughs> That's fine. I have just like if you get on today and say, you know, Harrison Smith and Adam Thielen and a group of Vikings played in the Pro Bowl, and here's what I saw from their performance. That's complete. That's this business at its ugliest. Let's get Pro Football Focus's grades on the Pro Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> Amen, Manny. Amen. Are there are there sports talk guys who are so sports talky and and so crazy about this that they're treating the Pro Bowl seriously? Like guys who turned on the mics today and were like, "Let's talk Pro Bowl." What do you guys think? Six five one six four six eight two five five. There have to be right. There has to be. There has to be some guys out there who who say, you know, so and so had a great game from the local team and isn't that fantastic? I just want to wring their neck. I just want to <laughs> want to reach through the radio and ring their neck this game should be canceled this game shouldn't be played i know matthew collar lives eats and breathes football sleeps with a football under both arms is he is he is, i don't think he's here today is he does he have the he's gonna off? be no he's gonna be oh, on he, at two o'clock he's gonna be on at two o'clock i'd like to know if matthew collar is so football-y god help him <laughs> honest to god god help him that if he, he that he actually cares about the pro bowl if he is if he watched a second of that debacle god help him I've hated that game. I have hated that it's game personally. It's the worst All-Star game there but, is. But when I, I think I started to hate it in two, early two no, the 90s. Do you guys recall the Patriots had a young running back, Robert Edwards, who, yeah. was, who had a great rookie season, yeah. and yeah. he was fantastic. And he went to that bleeping game, and I'm not joking. He got hurt, he right? Play, no, he, worse than that, he played in a Pro Bowl, uh, basically some type of it was game a, on the beach. It was a beach football. It was yeah. a beach flag football uh, game. Yes. So they're yeah. running around in sand. He they multi-million dollar athletes running around in sand. He didn't just get hurt. He damn near lost his leg. Yeah. Like, he suffered some catastrophic knee injury. He was done playing, and, and he was on, not surprisingly at the time, my fantasy football team <laughs> in a keeper league. And I had this guy in a keeper league. Now, I was, I will fully admit, I, since then I've quit playing. I was a loser, okay? But when your guy goes to the Pro Bowl and can't even get off the beach before he has ended his career, I said, this whole thing's a waste of time. Get everybody out. Yeah, besides the fact that it's just not a good brand oh, of awful. football, the oh. Pro Bowl. The, the risk of injury is so high that there's really no reason for these guys to be playing an, an exhibition game. I mean, we talk about every season, we talk about should they cut down the preseason because they're worried about guys getting injured in meaningless games before the season starts. Now we're risking guys getting injured in meaningless games after the season is over? On a rainy day. For what? As you said, it makes zero sense. And, and, they, and fans will come back and say... It gets ratings and people watch. And I will say it's still not worth it. Name the teams. How does it get ratings? The only teams I care about are the are the all-pro teams. The all-pro teams right. are very small and mean a lot. 
And if you're named to an All-Pro team, you had a great year. The Pro Bowl, though, is a complete waste of time. And the fact that guys drop out left and right, the fact that now, because of how it's staged, you don't get the Super Bowl players uh, because fans will watch anything, Rami. Football fans, this is the question. Where do you draw the line? And I think the answer for some football fans is, I don't draw the line. They don't. I don't draw the line. Preseason, don't care. We'll watch it. Um, The worst of the worst, we'll watch it. Pro Bowl, we'll watch it. I think that there are some football fans who, if you ask them, where do you draw the line, they will say, there is, in my mind, there is no line. They need to go back to playing this game after the Super Bowl. But if can't, they, can't if, we just if, get rid of it, though? Like, why? Why do we? Do, why? Why are we doing it? We know, Chad. We know you all. We know you always just want to get rid of the damn thing. Why but are we doing? I'm it? just. I'm just saying. I think if they if they keep it, if they're going to keep it, they need to go back to having it be played the week after the Super Bowl, so that you can at least get, you know, Tom Brady or you know Jared Goff in this sense playing in the game. I really do want to know where. Where you draw the line when it comes to football, like Judd said, 651-646-8255 or tweet us at score north. I want if and we'll try our best not to ridicule you. If you watch the Pro Bowl, I want to hear from you and I want to know why. I'll just remain quiet then. And and if you watched like the whole thing and watched it intently and with purpose, I want to know what that intent and purpose was and why you gave three hours over of over of your life over to what is not good football. And the last two days, Saturday, Sunday, are the most useless football days with the sport being played possible. The Senior Bowl. Even the scouts don't stay for that game. They go and watch practices, right? They, right. they go to Alabama and they watch practices all week long. But my understanding is most of the scouts get on airplanes then Friday night and go home. So the Senior Bowl, too, it's another colossal, the game itself, colossal waste. Because all people care about is practices. They talk to players. They watch, you know, are your hands big enough? How do you look against this guy? But when it comes to the game, basically nobody stays. So Saturday, Senior Bowl, Sunday, Pro Bowl, complete waste of football time. Yeah, the Senior Bowl practice is it's, it's the pre-combine combine. Yes. On some level. Guys go there and, and they'll watch they'll, well put. Wa- they'll watch your practice habits, they'll watch your work ethic, how, how much how much you're willing to put into the game. Like you said, they'll sit down, they'll interview you, a little face to face time, try to get an idea of what kind of guy you are. But once that game starts, it's like the Pro Bowl. It's a bunch of guys who aren't going to risk life and limb, especially with that big payday right there on the horizon in the NFL draft. So it is I mean, it's a glorified it's not. I mean, it's not even glorified. It's an exhibition. It's a yes. flat-out exhibition football game among college football players who are trying to earn an NFL career. And again, I guess I would come back to why play it then? I don't know. Go, go and practice. I got no problem with the go and practice. You talk to scouts. That's fine. But I do think football is the one sport where, where you can pick apart and say, if there is, what's the risk? Because there's a risk in every game played, right? Right. So so it's the one sport where you can basically say, is this all-star college football game, which for years I know had a cachet and was cool. But in 2019, when we know that, that the scouting departments and these teams are going to essentially be watching you practice and then leave, is it worth, other than TV tonnage, playing a game for? And the answer comes back in both cases, really, no, it's not. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time, and if one person gets hurt, it's stupid. It's not a complete waste of time, Judd. Do you know why it's not a complete no, waste I have of no time? No, I no idea why. I want to mock! Mock! I 
So the athletic. All ears down. Put up. You play that song, you got me. A Senior Bowl only look at addressing the Vikings team needs. Vikings mock draft Senior Bowl edition. Judd Zelgad, are you ready for it? Oh, you bet I am. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get some uh, some uh, football theme tune though below it, this. Oh, uh, can you can you hook that up, Maddie? There you go. We need something. Maddie will get out of it. Okay, here there we go. There it is. Now I'm here feeling football-y. In you the feel- Score North Studios. <laughs> At three below, <laughs> Rami will read. You guys feeling football yet? The Athletic came to mock. Round one, pick 18. The Vikings, according to The Athletic and their Senior Bowl mock draft, are going to take Zach Allen, defensive lineman out of Boston College, likely moving inside to base end or three-technique tackle for whichever team drafts him in the NFL. Allen would look pretty good being able to leverage his quickness inside while continuing to play with power. His flexibility and get-off don't look great that's a great that's that's a draft term if i've ever heard one get off it's a draft term or something else that you that you can't say or shouldn't say i don't know which one don't look great compared to other edge rushers in the draft but along the interior defensive line he can use his impressive physical tools to deal damage to quarterbacks that is zach allen defensive lineman boston college that's super thorough right there (laughs) that's only a paragraph there's about that would totally be a mike zimmer pick too there's five paragraphs on him if you choose <laughs> if you care to find out more. I don't need that much. <laughs> Round two. I just like this guy's name, and I hope I'm saying it right. Round two, pick 18. El- Elgton Jenkins, E-L-G-T-O-N Jenkins, Elton. center slash offensive guard, Mississippi State. They say we covered Jenkins week in Mobile already, or Mobile, excuse me. But it's worth noting that he's had an incredible year as well. Pro Football Focus gave him the second best pass protection grade among centers in the SEC, and he didn't allow a single sack in 2017, only gave up one in 2018 with only six total pressures given up for the entire season. I've got a serious question. Mm-hmm. Does it say if he's played some guard or not? Um, let me see here. They don't, but he's listed okay. as center slash so, offensive guard. If, okay, because you could you could justify taking a center at some point and moving Elfline to guard because Elfline played guard at, at Ohio State. Right. So they're act, so there could be. I think you could get away with if you took a guy that played center, putting him at that position, and having Elfline kick out the guard. How, how deep do you want to go with this thing? Round three? Should we stop after round go to three? Round three? Okay, sure. round three. <laughs> End of day pick, two. End of day two. 17. Give it to me. Yeah. Dalton Risner, offensive tackle slash offensive guard from Kansas State. Not enough can be said about the attitude of Risner, who wants to be a tone setter and culture changer for whatever offensive line room he's in. But his stat set might just be his play on the field. He moved quickly to meet speed rushers at the edge and did a good job controlling pass rushers through the arc. Even better, he attacked rushers and dictated the interaction using his impressive strength to stop defenders in their tracks. So he's a mean SOB is basically it sounds what like that it. says. It sounds like he's a nasty road grader. I like that, actually. And then in the fourth round, they haven't taken a wide receiver out of Buffalo, Anthony Johnson. Uh, Well, so, okay, so so the first round pick was a defensive player? Yes. Okay. And then two offensive linemen and then a wide receiver. Vikings Nation would not be too pleased if that is is the case. If the first round was a D lineman. If if Zim gets his way again and they take more defense (laughs) in the first round, I can tell you right now that Thursday night uh, on Twitter, Vikings fans... There would be an explosion, and it would not be one of happiness. They wouldn't be shocked or surprised, though. They would just be. I wouldn't be. They would surprised. just be mad. Mad, be mad. as soon as yeah. I said it, he said that would be such a Mike Zimmer pick. You can't let that happen, though. 
If you're Rick Spielman, you can't let it, you can no longer let it look like Zim, even if it's the right pick. I don't think if you're Rick going into the last year of both you uh, your contract and Zimmer's contract, you can allow it to look like Zim has again made your first round pick. For that's you. that's the thing too. It could totally that could totally be the right pick for them, and that guy could turn into like all pro, you know, first team all pro defensive lineman, and Vikings fans will still hate the pick. So there's your oh, yeah. Senior Bowl only Vikings mock draft courtesy of The Athletic here on the Purple Daily Show. We really do want to know where you draw the line as a football fan. 651-646-8255 or tweet us at Score North. Are you handing over three hours of your time to the Senior Bowl or the Pro Bowl and why? Did you watch the Pro Bowl? Call us and tell us why. We might be able to help you. Like, we're sick. We're not that sick. So we, so we can help you. <laughs> We got. Pro- I'm not saying we don't got problems in the studio because we got problems. Okay. I watched the first ten minutes of it yesterday, but that's about it. And you ducked out why? Just because because it, was awful? because it was sloppy and it was raining and yeah, no, mean, and everybody looked miserable. It's a bad enough game on its own, and they moved it to Orlando where it rains half of yeah. every day. <laughs> it's so dumb. Just play it if you're gonna play it. Play it every, just play it in Hawaii every year. I, if we have to do this. Why do you do need to my, put it in other in places? It's I saw ridiculous. a story. I saw a story that said next year it's probably going. Was it going? Where was it going? Out west somewhere, and then it's going to end up probably in the Rams Chargers Stadium when that place opens as well. Oh, oh, oh! That kind of it makes said, sense. The yeah. story I saw said there's a very good chance that starting with next year it's going to go to the Super Bowl venue and be played there. To sort of like kick off. They've done that a couple up, times already. A little appetizer already, right? for you. Yeah. I think yeah, they've done Super that a couple Bowl times already. I can't. Yeah. I'd be so that's excited. A, that's a terrible idea because people have already spent their money on Super Bowl tickets and plane tickets to this destination. You think they're going to spend more on a Pro Bowl? Well, the game's a terrible idea. Because they played it in... Miami, the the year the Saints beat the Vikings and was, went on to win the Super Bowl. That Super Bowl was in Miami. I think they played the Pro Bowl in Miami because that was the one McKinney that McKinney got, got sent he home. He got kicked off the team because he quit showing up for practice. <laughs> Thoroughly embarrassed the Vikings. It was outstanding. He went to two practices, I believe, two, and then just no-showed. It was so bad that they kicked him <laughs> off the team. Like, it's impossible to get kicked off a Pro, off Bowl, a team. pro Bowl team. There's no yeah. real practice. <laughs> But they had these obligatory like two meetings. Bryant McKinney didn't show up. They actually kicked him off the Pro Bowl. Team. How are you insubordinate enough during a week oh. of practices for an exhibition? That's a hell of a And McKinney should get that's sent a, home. That's 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 a big And deal, McKinney man. lived in Miami. <laughs> so he literally just had to drive from his house to these meetings, show up and then go get drunk. And he just kept sleeping in. Like Rod Burgundy said, I'm not even upset. I'm impressed. <laughs> yes. He's very impressive. We'll hit a quick break. On the other side, the price tag for Anthony Barr is starting to clear up, and uh, it's a it's a, it's a a large figure, and we'll talk about that a little bit. It's Purple Daily on Score North on 1500scorenorth.com. S-K-O-R, north.com. And we'll be back right after this from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Tell me where the freaks at. Score North. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. Scorenorth.com. It's Purple Daily on Score North, 1500 and scorenorth.com. We'd like if you uh, followed us on all your various social media platforms. You can actually watch us right now live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. That's at SK. 
score north at score north is how you can follow us and see Judd and my uh, beautiful beautiful faces right now. Is live that what you call them on the internet? Uh, facetiously, we That's, don't. We don't mean to scare people. <laughs> We're on the radio, but it's Monday. We're on the radio for a reason. John, a couple of weeks ago, I believe it was uh, my first Purple Daily show that I did with you, and we were talking about some of the tougher decisions that the Vikings have as far as some of their potential free agents coming up this off season. Uh, Courtney Cronin, who you can often hear right here on this very show, along with Matthew Collar, a couple times a week, she had a piece out about the contract situation of uh, outside linebacker Anthony Barr. Who who, uh, they could put the franchise tag on him and, and not let him hit free agency. He said, "quote I'm not really sure. I'm not sure there. I'm not sure there really is a plan about free agency." He said, "I think it kind of dictates itself. I've done what I've done, and what's going to happen is kind of out of my control. Obviously, I'll have a choice, hopefully, as to where I go, but I can't control much more than what I'm doing now. And the uh, the franchise tag price tag would be about twelve million dollars, if I'm not mistaken, is what I read in Courtney Cronin's 15, article. Here. Oh, fifteen, actually, yeah, me. it's going to be excuse higher me. than that. That is. He's a very good player and had had a bit of a drop off in his in his play this year, but I think there that hamstring injury, which cost him a couple of weeks, probably hampered his play even even when he did return to the field. But even Anthony Barr at at peak Anthony Barr, when that hamstring is right and everything is going well, as good a player as he is, with some of the other needs that are on this Vikings roster, I just don't know that I can I can go that high, even if it is for just one year and one more crack at it during the Kirk Cousins era to have the best defense you can have. There is just too many, too many other glaring holes that they need to address with whatever little cap room they do have to give $15 million over to Anthony Barr. I've gone back and forth on this quite a bit, and at one point in time, I convinced myself that they might franchise him, but at 15 mil, I don't think so. Here's the problem. So here's the here's um, among the conundrums. Here's my biggest one, and it's Barr himself. Um, one is, I think we've seen that this defensive system is not the best one for him. It's a good one, and right. it, and it works for lots of players. But if you had a three four and Barr rushed, I think he'd be fantastic. And, and I think that's the type of team that should sign him. The other problem, though, is this one. And this is a problem. This is an issue that I don't know the answer to the question. And if I was going to sign this guy to a huge, especially multi-year contract, I have to have the answer. What am I going to get? Because I can't decide. There are times where I convince myself, man, if Barr was used correctly, he would be a Pro Bowl player, an All-Pro consistently. He'd be fantastic. Three, four, he'd be great. And then there's times I've watched him play in this defense. Rami, mm-hmm. and he looks really, really good. He looks fantastic. And then there's times I've watched him play, and I thought, what's going on? Where is he? And I can't decide, is that a product of of the fact that this defense is not the best possible fit for him? Or does he at times get up for games and he plays great? And then there's times he doesn't. And and with the problems that this team has, especially that need to be addressed on offense, can I go to a guy like this and use a large portion of my cap on him, not knowing if I'm going to get 16 fantastic games? Am I going to get 10? Am I going to get four? So if he had if he had played like he does occasionally all the time, this becomes to me a big conversation, and it's a very difficult decision ultimately. But because he doesn't, 
I just can't take the risk of of us having this discussion, let's say, in December of next year. And we're saying, boy, they signed Bart to this huge contract. And, and in these three games, he was just lights out great. And in these 10 games, he was okay. So I've pretty much now come around to a point where if you're going to spend this cash, I don't see how it can go to bar. I, I was sort of... I was chalking up the inconsistency of this past season, at least in part, to the fact that he had that hamstring injury that kept him out a couple of games. And a lot of the time in the NFL, these guys have these injuries, and they'll miss a game or two, and then they'll come back. And fans expect them to just return right right to pre-injury level. And I think what a lot of people don't consider sometimes is that, yeah, the guy came back from the injury, but he's probably gutting it out. He's probably still not back to 100%. And I'll always give a guy sort of the benefit of the doubt in that situation and, 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 and chalk up any sort of drop-off in their performance or any inconsistency in their performance to that injury and, and trying to get back to 100%. Has this been an issue with Anthony Barr throughout his career, the up-and-down, yes, inconsistent play? very much so. Okay. All right. Yep. Then that kind of changes my view of things here. But it's just so much. And, and again, I think a starting point for everything that this team does is Rick and Mike have to sit down, and Rick has to tell Mike, Mike, you are a defensive coach, and you're really good at that. And we can't then just go get guys for that side of the, the ball. Now, Mike's going to come back and say, well, you went and got Kirk. And that's a fair point. But the fact is, you saw in 2018 that Kirk Cousins needs help. And you can't put him out there and say, Kirk, you're the star and everybody else contributes. You have to have a line that's improved. It doesn't have to be great, but it has to be better, right? You've got to be smarter about how things operate, but you're going to have to spend more off offensively to help prop Cousins up than you did. And if you take that tag, $15 million on one player who might give you, I would say through... A fair judgment through the course of Barr's career, if you give him that franchise tag, you're going to probably get five to six great games. That's not going to offset the fact that you've now spent that on, once again, on the defensive side of the ball, and you haven't propped up Kirk on the offensive side. Let me ask you this. I don't know if this this constitutes as reckless speculation, but you talked about the fact before that he's best when he's rushing the passer. And and he he admitted that himself, telling Courtney Cronin, I think it plays to my strengths more so. I think I'm better going forward than backward. I can do it, but it's more natural for me, and I'm able to affect the game more when I rush the passer. The four most valuable positions in the NFL are, in this order, quarterback, the guys who protect the quarterback, namely left tackles, left tackle, yep. guys who chase the quarterback, and the guys who try to stop wide receivers and in, in, in cornerbacks and, and defensive backs. Anthony Barr is worth a whole lot more if he is just a pass rusher. Do you think he... Because it's they're not going to change the system for Anthony Barr. They're not going to make it a 3-4 system right. and, and, and put him at outside linebacker. Do you think he has what it takes to just make the change to be a defensive end? Put him opposite Daniil Hunter, and do you believe enough that he has what it takes to play that position that you're willing to gamble $15, $15 million on a franchise tag and do that? I think if, if you were dedicated to that, I think you could. I think the issue is Mike won't. I think Mike sees him because it's crystal clear now. Barr came in, was, the, was a first-round pick in Zimmer's first year, and he has been used as a rusher at times but not consistently. So I think 
what you could safely say is if they were going to go down the path that you just suggested, it might work, but they're not going to. And so he's going to rush at times and he's not going to at, at times. And if Anthony Barr is going to have any chance of maximizing his capabilities on a weekly basis, it's going to be as a 3-4 rush the QB. And I don't see, because the whole conversation about 3-4-4-3 is sort of, I mean, teams morph in and out of things so right. much now yeah. that, that the traditional the traditional we're a 4-3 is pretty much gone. Uh, but the other problem, too, though, and the, the thing we can't answer, and the reason why I'm not willing to make the investment it's going to take, is if you put Barr in a position to succeed on a weekly basis and say, okay, we've never seen this before, but go to it, be great all the time, I don't know that you get that. And so somebody's going to gamble. And if I'm if I'm the Vikings with my cap presently constructed as is, I'm not going to take that chance because what if we find out that he works his ass off five games a year and then there's a package of games where he's okay but not great what i like about this particular scenario that i laid out turning him into a defensive end full-time and and giving him that franchise tag at 15 million dollars is it's 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 basically a one-year trial run anthony let's see if you can do this and if he and if he can then that's a guy worth paying if he can consistently get after quarterbacks from the defensive end position week after week, like I said, that's the second or third most valuable position in all of football. At what price, though? The position and the role that he plays now is not worth $15 million. Absolutely. Especially given the weaknesses and holes that they have elsewhere on the roster. Absolutely. But if they move him to defensive end and he can get after quarterbacks week in and week out, a contract extension in the neighborhood of 15 to 17 million dollars a year mm-hmm. is actually reasonable and kind of worth it. And I, so you get that one year trial run of seeing if he's that guy that you're talking about who right. you can expect to show up five or six games a season or if he's one of the better pass rushers in the league. I think the problem though is this. If you do that, if if you thought that that you were going to be a nice team in 19. So let's say that you thought, okay, we could be a good team. We're not quite sure where things stand. We're trying different things. We've got some cap room, not much. It's fine then. But again, this team is going to come back, go into training camp, at least internally and in this town with expectations that you had an incredibly disappointing 2018 and that you're going to turn things around quickly and go back to being the team that you were in 2017. So my question to you is, as you watch this unfold, if you're wrong on bar, you just made an enormous investment for that year in a in an area when you could have helped your line, you could have helped elsewhere. And so if this was a team in the midst of saying they're going uphill and with Barr, you're not quite sure, and, and you want to find out who he is, I think your scenario works. The issue is, I don't think in 2019, with your GM and coach going into the last year of your contracts, that you have the capability to be wrong. And if you're wrong, you're in big trouble. I've always hated the order of the NFL offseason that you have free agency and then the draft. I would love if if they flipped that. And, mm. and, and if the Vikings, if they did that, the Vikings could have their draft and then go into, free, into the free agency period knowing whether or not they've really addressed their offensive line needs. And I, and I think a lot of teams find themselves in a position like this where they have a an impending big-time free agent or a guy who could be a big-time free agent 
and they're sort of stuck in the middle, not knowing what's going to happen in the draft and, and the rest of the offseason and the second wave of free agency that always comes after cuts. If they flipped it, I think teams would have a lot more clarity. You could have your draft, know what holes you've addressed, and then go into free agency and know which guys you need to retain, what, what positions you still need to address from the outside in. Interesting philosophy, yeah. The, the problem with, with that, though, is aside from very few picks, the internal optimism and f- feeling that you've solved issues might be too strong because the draft gets you what? The draft gets you a lot of hope. You know, you break it down and right. teams do. They're right. like, okay, we address this and that. And then you get to training camp and you're like, oh, wow, this kid's not prepared. So I get your point, but I do, I do think the structure of things as currently constituted is good in, in the sense that because the hubris of so many of these teams is to be like, we know exactly what we're doing, right? We know what we're doing in, in, right. in the draft. We're, we're sure of ourselves. And then you're like, no, you're not. You got no clue here. So I think it's good that teams are almost forced to, to start off the system by addressing big time needs potentially. And then you're like, okay, then we're going to draft this guy. And we think because you don't know outside of what the top 10 picks or so, right? You just don't know. Laquan Treadwell was supposed to be good. My God, he's awful. <laughs> Did that not work out? But I mean, you know, <laughs> but the Vikings came away from that draft seriously saying, you know, we addressed this wide receiver need. We've taken care of this. You know, Cordell Pat Patterson, we got this athlete. He's going to be a freak and we're going to bring him in and a wide receiver. He's going to, he couldn't run a route. He couldn't run a route. You took him in there. You traded for him. Took him in the first Should've round. Put him at running back like Bill Belichick did. Bill Belichick, as I said last week, is simply any team. You know what I, the first thing, if I ran, if I owned a team, the first thing I would ask folks is this. What have you learned from Belichick and how much do you copy that? And if you say, oh man, I am a patriot, patriot way, I say get out. You got, you're an idiot. You got no chance of copying Bill Belichick. He's smarter than you. You took a hard left turn on me there because I I thought you were looking for like a Bill Belichick protege. And I was going to say that hasn't really worked out with guys off his coaching tree. I don't want anybody who, anybody that comes to me and says, Belichick, you know, I take, I take a coaching page from him and personnel pay. I say, get out of here. You can't. You've got no chance. You are likely an idiot. And he is, (laughs) and he is the, you know, Einstein of the National Football League. Right. The so other thing, get out. The other thing, too, is, is just stop trading with the Patriots, too. Stop dealing with them. Do you want to tell Rick that? <laughs> you want to call Rick right now and tell him that? There, I could have told him that. Yeah. yeah, you're right, Manny. You're right. There are teams like that in every sport. And in the NFL, the Patriots are that team where your team makes a trade with them and you're like, what do they know that we don't? Like, <laughs> no, what, that's right. what, what, what exactly? The Randy Moss trade, right? Yeah. The Randy Moss, Moss trade. trade. Wasn't the the, the pick Patterson that ended up, trade? Yeah, the yes. pick that ended up being Cordero was. Uh, and in fact, the Patriots for, the yeah. Patriots got I think what three or four picks. They took the linebacker who was really good for them for a short period, and then they soured on him and traded him to Cleveland. <laughs> but I believe there was a Patriots team shortly after the Patterson trade that had I'm this off the top of my head that had two or three starters from the Patterson trade. I think they had at least two starters mm-hmm. that they had taken in that draft. The Vikings are stuck with this guy that can't run a route to save his life, and he returns kicks. Oh, that's great. Right. And then and then that guy ended up with the Patriots this year. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and where did they use him? Running back. You know, which Collar, three years ago, wrote an impassioned thing about, okay, this makes some sense. Use him as an athlete. <laughs> he can't run a route. That's fine. Let's go. Let's do something different. Oh, we can't do that. It's National Football League. I know better than you do.
You know what I just you know what just dawned on me just now as you were talking about Bill Belichick and his coaching tree his coaching tree not working and not wanting to hire guys off of it. Sean McVay is the anti Belichick in every way. Every, you want everybody off his coaching tree. Sean McVay, he has perfect hair and he's a very very stylish look. Where Bill Belichick doesn't care what he looks like. He shows up to every press conference disheveled in a hoodie with cut off sleeves. It's fantastic. <laughs> Now I have taken a page from that. Don't don't criticize that. I have very much taken a page from the Belichick he, wardrobe. He loves talking to the media and getting in depth and articulate about about game plans and what they did or what they want to do. Yes. Where Bill Belichick is just going to give you, you one word answers. Is? What do you know? What the key is to these jobs, and and it, the starting point is you have to be good. Okay, but if you're good, the key is very very simple. Who are you? Be yourself. You're not Belichick. You know if the next group of guys. Is going to try and be who McVeigh, right? They're going to try and be the hip McVeigh. They're all they're all trying to do that. They're but you're already not, trying to do and that, and you're not that, and that's yeah. fine. Dungy was was himself. He didn't swear. He didn't yell. He didn't scream. I think there were a lot of people that looked at Tony and said, "Well, what's the there there here? He's not a football coach, but he was himself, and he was fantastic." I think the ultimate key to success is do not take a page from Belichick, McVeigh, Dungy. Either you're good or you're not good, but it, it's you. It's got to be you. It can't be. It can't be. Well, I learned this from Bill, and now I'm going to be like Bill. You know, Parcells. Parcells was a gruff sob, but he was Parcells. That's who he was. Be yourself. Did you guys see the uh, story of? Uh, it's on ESPN of uh, apparently Sean McVay and Bill Belichick texted each other throughout the uh, throughout the season. McVay offered that up, which surprised me. Yeah. Be- Belichick's going to hate that. Well, then Belichick was quoted in the story, too, and I'll just read through the quote, too, if you guys don't mind. This sounds very much like Bill Belichick. I have a ton of respect for Sean. I think he's done a great job in the two years he's been with the Rams. His teams have performed at an extremely high level. They're very consistent. They're well coached. He has a great scheme. The players executed on a consistent basis at a very high level. He's got a great coaching staff, offense, defense, special teams. They're good in every area. Coach Fossil, Coach Phillips, a great staff. Coach Fish, I know, is an important part of that staff. The coaching, the playing, the consistency. Coach McVay's done a tremendous job out there. He's got a great team. When he says Coach Fish, is he talking about Jeff Fisher? Is he still involved uh, Jed, with the Rams somehow? Jed Fish. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Jeff Fish, no, no. Jeff Fisher's been excommunicated from Rams football. <laughs> what a quick break on the other side. You mentioned an impassioned piece from Matthew Collar, who you'll hear today on Score North Live at 2 o'clock. All he does is write impassioned pieces, Judd. And he had, I don't know about you, what I thought was a very surprising article about Kirk Cousins, some of the things he seems to be good at, some of the things he seems to be not so good at. And it, like I said, I was I was surprised by some of the things in this article. I want to talk to you about that. You can get in at 651-646-8255 or at Score North on the Twitters. And we'll be back right after this in the TCL Broadcast Studios. Score North. That's exactly what I've been looking for. Minnesota sports. Anytime, anywhere. ScoreNorth.com. Purple Daily, every day, every weekday, I should say, at noon, right here on Score North, 1500, scorenorth.com. You can watch this fine show live on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, at 
at score, S-K-O-R North. That's how you follow us on all your various social media platforms. Also, check out scorenorth.com where you can hear everything that's on the station in addition to things that aren't on the station. Twins podcast, Bre- uh, 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 Wolves podcast. You almost said Brewers. I did. Vikings podcast, The Beer Show. You Packers name it. Games? Packers? We got it. No, we don't have Packers games Bucks, there. It's the first time I've slipped up like that since coming here from Milwaukee. It's, it's been almost three weeks. That's Admirals, the, we got any uh, that's the first time. <laughs> we actually used to be the flagship for Admirals. Did you office. really? Yeah, we did. Oh, wow. yes, yes, we did down there at the fan in Milwaukee. But in addition to uh, all the sound and, and video you'll see at scorenorth.com, also the written word with a fine staff of writers that we've put together, including Matthew Collar, who covers the Vikings, and you hear him on Score North Live uh, weekdays, 2 o'clock, right here on Score North. And he had a piece today that I thought was kind of eye-opening when it comes to Kirk Cousins, and it's 10 things PFF's QB annual tells us about Kirk Cousins' past and future. And uh, we'll just go through them, Judd, and you give me your your uh, observations as we run through them. Cousins had some similarities to 2016 Sam Bradford. He says, while Bradford performed well under the circumstances in 2016, one of the criticisms he faced was about a severe lack of aggressiveness. PFF's data makes it clear that Cousins had the same issue in his inaugural season in purple. Mm-hmm. Talking about the uh, the lack of deep throws that Kirk Cousins had in in 2018, which which is very Sam Bradford like. He threw to his first read 71 percent of the time. Yeah, 66 percent is the league average. And if, if the question is why, it's simple: offensive line in both cases was awful. Doesn't right. give you time. And again, Bradford and Cousins, I think it's safe to say at their best are nice quarterbacks. They're not stars. Okay, so if I give them, if I give them, it doesn't matter what the contract is, the assignment to be, listen, I'm your protection is going to be spotty at best. And I want you to be Russell Wilson. Guess what? They're going to fail. Bradford and Cousins. Bradford, the expectations were high because uh, Teddy got hurt in training camp and Sam came in that year late in a trade for a first round pick, which is a lot to give up. But the trade at that point was necessary. And Sam disappointed. Kirk was signed to a mega contract, and so it became worse. But in both situations, I believe them to be nice, probably competent QBs, but not great ones. And if you say to them, go to it, and oh, by the way, your protection's going to break down quick, they're going to be, both of them, in, in trouble and make the safe play. Next up on uh, Matthew Collard's list of 10 things that were sort of eye-opening about Kirk Cousins this year. This was the first one where I went, really? The amount of, he says, Cousins' clean pocket passing was underwhelming. I always thought Kirk Cousins, when he had a clean pocket, made the made the right throw and made it accurately. I thought it was his his pocket presence and, and when he got pressured that he panicked a little bit, got happy feet and and sailed some throws or underthrew some. He says the amount of pressure on Cousins was a major conversation throughout twenty eighteen, but more than sixty percent of his passes were not under pressure. On those throws, the Vikings QB performed in the bottom half of the league by PFF's grading system. He rated 21st in grade and averaged just 7.3 yards per attempt, where 7.8 is the league average. I thought he was good in a clean pocket, Judd. Apparently, he is not good in a clean pocket. And that has pocket. to change. Right. But that has to change. The, the conversation here about Cousins 2018 to me is very much what what was his fault, and plenty of it was, in, in this case... This thing that you just read was definitely his fault. And what was not his fault and where can he be helped? Uh, but it also comes back to to what Kubiak is going to have to do. And this is something that the, the Vikings this past year failed to do at every turn. 
you need to give Cousins every chance to be successful by making him as comfortable as possible. And he was not. This need this this last item that you read has to be improved by him. It's on him to do. But I also think that Kubiak's going to sit down and say, okay, in those situations, what can we do to make Cousins as productive as possible? Cousins needs to step up as well, but this all is going to come back to, are you running an offense that he is as comfortable as possible? And that sounds like a lot because fans will come back and rightfully so say, but you're paying him all that. And fans are right about that. It doesn't matter at this point. If you want to be as successful as you could possibly be in 2019, the Vikings need to internally find a way to put Cousins in positions to succeed and put him in positions to throw where you make him as comfortable as you possibly can. I know that that seems like too much, but we learned in 2018 that if you don't, the results are this. And that kind of leads us into the next point, which is the Vikings did not manufacture yards for their quarterback. Matthew says Minnesota football fans will remember the high number of times Case Keenum threw a quick, short pass that turned into a big game. That did not happen as often for for Cousins. He averaged just 6.6 yards per play when releasing the ball in under two and a half seconds, which was easily his lowest since becoming a full-time starter in 2015. While 29% of his passes came in under two seconds, he he only picked up 5.7 yards per attempt on those throws. He also finished below league average on throws that went behind the line of scrimmage and less than 10 yards in the air and well above average on throws that traveled between 10 and 19 yards and more than 20 yards. Which is exactly why you can't have an OC or a assistant head coach offense come in and say, this is my system, right? Right. Flip's problem was he did what so many coordinators and coaches have done for years and years, which is he came in and he put his his system in and said, run it. Not possible now. Dumb idea. Stupid. Stupid because there's about five guys who, who can adapt and adjust. But this goes back to the whole thing of everybody needs to sit down in Egan for months now. I don't care how long it takes. I don't care if you violate the CBA off-season rules. I don't care, don't care, don't care. Everybody needs to sit down and say, What's going to work? Not this will work. Because inevitably, when you say this will work, it's a mistake and you're being pigheaded and stupid. These next two points, probably the most surprising thing in Matthew Collar's article at scorenorth.com. 2018 was Cousins' best year under pressure. That's good to think that 2018 was Kirk Cousins' best year yeah, that speaks, under pressure. That speaks a lot, and it's not it's not necessarily a good thing at all. His 83.1 rating under pressure was well above the league average of 67.1, and the highest of his career by a similar margin. Cousins did not have many, quote, turnover-worthy throws while under pressure. His 3.4% turnover-worthy pass rate was well below the 5.8% league average. Again, going back to what I said about him and and struggles in the clean pocket, I always thought that under pressure was really where Kirk Cousins struggled. I felt like that's where when when he went through the phases of of uh, fumbling, that's where that occurred. I didn't think his throws. He made some weird throws at weird times, like some really questionable weird throws, and there were. It felt. It felt because he he didn't have a good sense of pressure. That there were times that he would decide to eat the ball or just he didn't always make dumb plays. But if you go back and watch the fumbles and the picks, there are some that come at really odd times. Throwing the ball backwards to Latavius Murray, too. But like he, he, I guess the the interpretation has to be what do you uh, consider in this case from PFF to be pressure? Because 
there were moments where you're like, okay, there's pressure, but it's normal. And that's when he would sort of freak out and lose it. So, so I think statistically, when you go through this, we're finding that what their interpretation of pressure might not have been what seemed to be pressure to Kirk Cousins, if that makes sense. That does make sense. Because there, there were definitely times where you're like, okay, eat the ball, throw the ball now, and then he would just sort of panic. He says uh, Cousins was highly accurate. That's the next point. PFF ranked Cousins as having the ninth best accurate percentage overall in the NFL. He threw the fourth lowest percentage of uncatchable balls and was the fifth most accurate when his receiver had one step on the defender. Doesn't that go back, though, to the fact that he doesn't really throw the deep ball very much? It's easier to be accurate, Judd, when you're throwing it it between six and seven yards every play. Same as Sam. Exact same as Sam. These guys, the line is so bad, and and their faith in the line becomes so low, and their feeling that the pressure is constant makes it so that they make these throws that are as safe as can possibly be. High completion percentage, but you don't get a lot from those throws or completions. We're running out of time here. we got about a minute and a half left in the show, so let me just run through the last few points, Judd. You tell me what jumps out at you. He says the scramble drill was not friendly to the Vikings. I think we all kind of knew that. Cousins targeted one particular receiver far too much. The Vikings QB posted a quarterback rating over 100 when targeting Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Kel, uh, Kyle Rudolph, and Delvin Cook. When throwing in the direction of Laquan Treadwell, his rating dropped to 80.3. Well, he kept throwing to him and he dropped the ball and he was a train wreck. And despite Treadwell's poor production, he still looked his way 47 that was, times. Yes. Okay, that's my biggest, honest to God, that might be my biggest cousin's indictment of 2018. He did. If they put him on the field, eventually you got to look at 11 and be like, uh, 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 not going there. Throw a block or something, right? Right. It drove me crazy. And then you had people saying, well, well, Treadwell was open. Well, yeah, there was a reason why he was left open. There was no reason to cover him. Yeah, that draw that that one. There was no reason to cover his him. hands. Covered him. He yeah. caught he caught the he caught the touchdown in week two against Green Bay, and then he tipped that ball in OT, and it was like after that, okay, Kirk has learned his lesson. He never learned his lesson. Why are you throwing at him? Right. <sighs> one good thing about Kirk Cousins. Let me make you feel a little bit better, Judd. Opponents might stop blitzing him. He had a 109.8 passer rating with an extra rusher coming his way. And this year he was well above the average 93.1 with a 104.3 rating. This is this is proof that you can torture statistics in any way you want. But if they don't change this offense to be as friendly as possible towards Cousins, it's not going to matter. The last couple of points, the Kirk Coaster was real. The ups and downs, I don't need to tell Vikings fans that. And Kirk Cousins was who he thought he was. Read Matthew Collar's full article, Score North. It's Purple Daily. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Bakers, fresh for everyone.